five in 11 innings. ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports. Opening half miles. Whoa, blazing fast. 45.36 seconds for Summer is Tomorrow, who heads up the backstretch in front with Japan's crown pride right alongside. And Messier goes up in between those two. The pace continues to be hot. Zozos is next after three quarters in one minute, ten and four foot seconds. And now Epicenter comes splitting horses and is moving up quickly as Crown Pride takes the lead around the far turn. It is Crown Pride battling with Messier. They're stride for stride. Epicenter and Zozos in behind them. Cybernet sweeps up on the outside. Sandon gets the rail run, and they're into the stretch. And it's Messier, Crown Pride, and Epicenter is coming up on the outside. Epicenter has taken the lead as they arrive into the final furlong. Sandon is coming after him. Epicenter and Sandon, these two, stride for stride. Simplification down the outside is next. They're coming down to the wire. Epicenter, Sandon, rich strike. Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. in to the great Scott show. Hope everybody had a wonderful, all the moms out there, hope you had a wonderful Mother's Day. Hope it was a great day yesterday. Happy to have you guys with me this morning on a Monday where we we got a lot to dig into. From the NBA playoffs to the Diamond Raging Cajun softball Nine-game winning streak. They've won, what, 18 of their last 19 Sunbelt Conference regular season champs. The one seed playing Wednesday morning. We'll talk to Coach Jerry Glasgow in about 15 minutes about the tournament, the outlook heading into it. Cajun baseball gets a sweep. Just find a way. Got a lot of thoughts on the weekend series against UTA. You heard LaFleur's walk-off there. Mentioned the NBA playoffs continuing. James Harden looked like the old James Harden for a moment. Chris Paul fouls out. Dallas evens the series. A couple of series that were, you know, they say a series doesn't start till the road team wins. I guess neither series has started yet. I don't know. But honestly, I, I got to start with the Kentucky Derby. My God. The longest derby, the, the longest odds for a derby winner Since 1913, we're talking about, I mean, guys, we're we're talking about over 100 years ago. And back in 2014, it was a pretty amazing moment when Calvin Burrell won. Calvin Burrell from South Louisiana 
because it was a 50 to 1. The mind that bird, 50 to 1. And it was a big deal. And around here, it, it drew plenty of attention. Honest, I mean, why wouldn't it? Calvin Burrell, I get it. They made a movie of it. But that wasn't even close to how long the odds were on Saturday. With respect. Because Mind That Bird was one of the more incredible wins ever. Rich Strike? Rich Strike at 80-1. to 1, Who entered... As what, the fourth alternate on Friday, 30 seconds before the deadline? Epicenter and Sandin, these two, strike for stride, simplification, now the outside is next, and coming down to the wire, Epicenter, Sandin, reach strike, he's coming up on the inside, oh my goodness, the longest shot has won the Kentucky Derby, Rich strike has done it in a stunning, unbelievable upset. Un- unbelievable is an understatement. Rich strike at 80 to 1 in prior to the last moments. The play by play on NBC, amazing job, by the way, didn't mention his name except for one time before they even got to the half mile. And it wasn't even to point out what Rich Strike was doing. Shortly before the half mile, they're giving basically a rundown of all 20. All right, this guy's here, this guy's there, this guy. There. Just kind of at the back end, like it's 16th or 17th, and there's Rich Strike. And then in the back, tailing it off the last three, blah, blah, blah. That was it. No way did he think he was going to be mentioning Rich Strike again, maybe ever, much less a few minutes later to win the Derby, a minute later. It was, it was awesome. It was awesome. Larry Colmas. Shout out to him. And his call was, I mean, that's, it was incredible. Everyone was in shock. They're like, who, what, huh? I was talking to somebody about it Saturday evening. They're like, man, remember Rafer Alston? It's like, yeah. But didn't he play and one ball and then was really good in the NBA? That's kind of like this guy. The, the horse just comes off a waiver wire and suddenly he's doing it all. I was like, the difference is while Rafer Alston was, was more famous for being, I say more famous, also famous for being skipped to my Lou and being, you know, part of that and one mixtape tour. He had already played college ball and been drafted in the NBA. And he didn't win a championship. He was a good player. He was a good player. But, come on. No. Rich Strike would be like if you had taken someone off of the N1 mixtape tour, immediately stuck them on an NBA Finals roster, and then they were the NBA Finals MVP. That's what Rich Strike was like. Somebody sold him. Off of a waiver race. He won a waiver race. Someone sold him for $30,000. $30,000. And, and and there's Rich Strike biting. <laughs> wins the Kentucky Derby and then he's biting everyone, biting the other horses, just getting into it. 
But Rich Strike's owner, talk about a big payday, Rich uh, Rick Dawson, who was just in, in, in shock after. And why wouldn't he be? He's like, what's, what, what's going on? So we always think we can win a race. Yeah, but then they talked to the trainer, Eric Reed, and they said, did you imagine this? Uh, no, no, not this. I mean, to say it's a long shot, again, that's like saying Michael Phelps is a good swimmer. It doesn't really do it justice. The second to longest odds in the race's history, last time won a horse one that was longer, none of us were alive. I don't care how old you are. You ain't 109. Incredible, man. Absolutely incredible. What a moment. Purchased for $30,000 last fall. He was, a, he was in a low-level claiming race. Wasn't even scheduled to run on Saturday. And then was get squeezed into the starting gate 30 seconds before the deadline because a number of horses couldn't go. He was fourth on he was 24th on the list to get in. Only one that was longer odds was Don't Don Rail in nineteen thirteen. Yeah, who who could forget Don Rail? Ninety one to one odds. Rich Strike earned one point eight six million dollars in the second victory of his eight race career. Pretty good investment. 30,000, 1.86 mil, winning the Derby. Unbelievable. Epicenter and Sandin, these two, strike for stride. Simplification down the outside is next. They're coming down to the wire. Epicenter, Sandin, reach strike is coming up on the inside. Oh, my goodness. The longest shot has won the Kentucky Derby. Rich Strike has done it in a stunning, unbelievable upset. Larry Colmas, shout out to him. NBC Sports on the call there. Absolutely incredible. If 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 you were one of the individuals that went to the Kentucky Derby and bought a T-shirt, now most folks, you know, they're not there in a T-shirt. They're they're dressed to the nines. It's the whole. The history of it, the elegance, the outfits, the mint juleps, the hats, all that fancy stuff. But let's just say you wanted to go check out the Derby. Maybe you couldn't afford to be at the race, but you toured it the week of. You did something. Maybe you did want to take a T-shirt home. Even though you were dressed nice, you're like, I'm not going to do this again. Give me a T-shirt. I imagine the people that go every year probably don't get a T-shirt. But if you're a one-time deal, right, bucket list, I'll give me a T-shirt. They had uh, 10, 10 of the uh, horse races on the front of the shirt, 10 on the back. Rich Strike wasn't even on the shirt. Late edition. Kentucky Derby champion. Incredible. Long odds, to say the least. Raging Cajun softball. Not long odds to win the Sun Belt. They were the favorite. They won it. They're the favorite to win the tournament. Will they win it? What's going to be the key? What does Coach Jerry Glasgow want to see out of his squad this week? aside from the obvious, to win the tourney. They're heading to Mobile. Game one Wednesday, they will take on the winner of ULM in Coastal Carolina. That is 10 a.m. scheduled start time Wednesday morning. You can hear it right here 
on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. We will visit with Coach Jerry Glasgow right after this on The Great Scott Show. Don't go anywhere. Do you have... You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. He was the 1991 state champion in Nintendo. Ready, down, put, put, put. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. Great Scott show on a Monday morning. Louisiana Raging Cajuns softball went to Monroe over the weekend. The 22-ranked Raging Cajuns on a Friday night with the series opening win. Procured the Sunbelt Conference regular season title. Their 18th overall in 21 seasons of completed play. Their third consecutive. And then Saturday... Take the double header to end the season on a uh, nine-game winning streak. Head into the Sunbelt Conference Tournament playing some pretty good softball. And uh, joining us now, the head coach of the Rage Cajun softball team, Coach Jerry Glasgow. Good morning, Coach. How you feeling on this Monday? Uh, feeling good. Looking forward to the week and the conference tournament's always a fun time and an exciting time. And then Sunday, uh, selection show and... Uh, the crawfish feed at the field. So it's going to be a good week for us. No doubt about it, Coach. And heading to Mobile this week uh, as the one seed. Um, when when you're entering, and it's not the first time you've, I guess you've been in this situation, but when you're entering a conference tournament and you, you're the favorite, but you also know that you're going to be playing after this week. You mentioned selection, the selection show at the end of the weekend. I know so many Cajun fans are really excited about it. Uh, how do you keep your your team kind of their eyes on the prize and focused at this week uh, before getting ahead of yourself to the week after? Well, by this time in the year, you you've hopefully conditioned your team to understand how important winning is. And when you go out on the field and you compete, doesn't matter. You know, it's a game, and you want to win. And Great teams want to win. They want to win every game. And if you're a competitor, you want to win every single game, every single play in the game. You just want to win. And so all that other stuff really doesn't matter. Uh, when we step on the field, I think our, our kids now, you know, they know how to win a ball game. They know what it takes to win a ball game. You know, they come from behind Friday and Saturday. Earlier in the year, they might not have come from behind. You know, you think back to they get behind it and lose four to one. They get behind one nothing in the first inning and get, and they just early in the year they didn't know how to respond. And now they know how to respond. They know how to they know how to compete. They know how to get the lead and run with it. They know how to take some adversity early in the game and come back from it. And so it's a much better ball club right now. 
than we were when we started the season. And, you know, they're not trying to win a conference tournament. They're going to try to win every game they play. And and so that's a good spot, and I like where we're at. The talent's there. It always has been there. Uh, the the mental the mental talent that it takes to win and compete at the highest level, that's a lot better than we're we're way better than we were, and we we know we can get a lot better yet. Coach Glasgow, our guest, um, you, you hit a lot of home runs over the weekend. I I believe the season total now is seventy which is uh, the highest mark uh, since you've been at UL. Do you expect this much uh, power from the team? And, and are you, you know, uh, in, in to, to dumb it down a little bit for some of us, not everybody listening, what, what does the long ball do for the rest of your offense when it's as effective as it's been for you guys? Well, yeah, I, I don't care how we win as long as we win. I don't care how we score as long as we score. And so the good part about having a really talented roster is you can do different things. I said this in the fall. If I play a certain lineup, if I just wanted to hit home runs, I think I could have hit 90 this year, maybe 100. You know, if I would have put a lineup out there with our best power hitters and I just tried to hit home runs, but that's that, I don't want to be a one-dimensional offense or a one-dimensional team. I want If we got speed, I want to use speed. So... You know when when you when you've got Matty Hayden in the lineup, man, you've got a you've got a team that can score without the long ball. You know, and and here the last thirty days we've been so beat up with injuries. You know, we've got Jordan Campbell uh, banged up with a without a you know with her knee, and you got Sophie Piscos out with a uh, she hurt her knee in the first game at. Uh, at Monroe, um, who else? We had somebody else hurt this weekend. Maddie still didn't play this weekend, so we're, we're we played a bigger lineup. You know, if I put if I put Laney Crater out there and I put Carly Heath out there and I put uh, Taylor Roman, if I put the, the power hitters all in the lineup, we're going to hit more home runs. But will we be as consistent? We'll be. Can can our offense be just as effective and and produce runs at the same rate? And that's where you make the decision. The other decision, you know, when you when you put your if you put your home run hitters out there, does it make your defense slower? And when you got speed, you want to use speed, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Speed shows up. So this is a really talented roster, and the the youth part's gone now. Now they know how to win games, and and I think as you go into next season, you'll see this the second recruiting class that is twenty twenty two recruiting class is designed to complement and plug the 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 things that the twenty twenty one class lacked, and and you'll see a little bit more defense come in. You're going to see a little bit more speed come in. You'll see a little bit more power come in, and they're going to complement each other. And so we'll be able to have a lineup that. You know, I think next year we can hit a few more home runs and still steal just as many bases and still score just as many runs, hopefully. And hopefully we'll, we'll be even more mature ball club next year. I expect from, from February 1st on we'll be, you know, we'll be at the level we we're at now in May. And so I'm excited about it. It's really exciting. 
Louisiana Ragey Cajun softball coach Jerry Glasgow, our guest. Cajuns in action Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. from the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. Um, before I get to the tourney, a few more questions for you, Coach. You alluded to, to Jordan Campbell and Sophie Piscos and how they're feeling. Um, how would you describe the healthier team heading into the tournament? And, and what's your approach to the tournament if a player is maybe on the fence do you, do you hold them out knowing the regionals? Does it does it change knowing that you're you're already in the regional? Does it change your approach to maybe if a player is healthy enough to go but not fully back yet? Do you do you approach it a little different being in the situation you are as the one seed in a team that'll be playing beyond this week in Mobile? Yeah, we're, you know I think we're to the point where we just play whoever's healthy and. If, if Brittany says, if our trainer says Susie Smith can't play, then we just write down the, line, the best lineup we can without Susie Smith in it. And so, you know, hopefully we'll have all of our kids available. I I I don't know. You know, uh, I I told I told Maddie and I told you know the team like if you don't practice full practice, if you don't practice full practice today or tomorrow then I don't expect you to play during the conference tournament. I, I want to see kids out there practicing today and tomorrow if they're going to play this weekend. We're not going to play players that can't practice. Um, and so we'll, we'll know a little more today who, who's out there and who's on the field. And, and in the morning, we'll, we'll have a morning practice tomorrow uh, before we leave uh, tomorrow afternoon to go to Mobile. And we'll see who's on the field tomorrow practicing. And then whoever's practicing, that's who we'll play, and and that's who we'll win with. Um, so, you know, it's day to day. You know, I, I, Piscos, I don't know. I'm hoping that you know her knee was really sore, and um, we're hoping it was just a strain. But we'll find that out here in this next 48 hours, and we'll know a lot more about where she'll be for the conference tournament. Here's another possibility, you know. Will she be able to catch? You know, she might be able to run. She might be able to play, but we don't need to catch her. Um, so we'll find all those things out in the next 48 hours. But that's where we're at. I mean, we play, you know, you, you go back early in the year, Maddie Hayden's hitting 400 all year, first half of the year. She's 400, and then she goes down. That's, you know, that seems like that'd be a devastating injury. But what we did, we, we were able to just keep playing. You know, Rain O'Neill got hurt. In the twelfth game of the year, your your most veteran, your most experienced player, your most proven player, and we just kept playing, and and so that's what we have to do. That's that's injuries are irrelevant. You just keep playing. The games don't stop. You expect to get injuries. We know we're going to have kids out. We're not going to have everyone go through the whole postseason without something getting banged up along the way. If we play as hard as we need to play. And uh, we'll just keep playing, and somebody else have to pick it up. And so I like that about this ball club. They're resilient enough that it just doesn't matter, and we just keep going. Have you had a season in your career, Coach, where you've had this many lineup changes due to due to the health of the team throughout a season? Yeah. Last year was the worst ever. I mean, last year was the worst injury-affected season we ever I've ever been a part of, you know, we lost uh, O'Neal and Roman for the season and Julie Rawls for a big part of the season. Um, 
it was just one after the other. Aldrink was hurt. Um, everybody in the lineup at some point was gone or hurt, and it seemed like and it was really bad. And this year's really been less than that, but still it doesn't seem as as significant because of we, what we went through last year. And people didn't realize it, but last year was a, was a really injury affected season and we just couldn't get, couldn't get um, enough people healthy last year to, to just keep going. But this, this team has, has just kept going and kept going and has enough depth and has enough talent to, to win different ways. But it's been, once we learned how to win games, then it's been really the injuries haven't been a factor. Uh, at least that's how I feel as a head coach. Rage Cajun head coach Jerry Glasgow, Rage Cajun softball coach, our guest. Um, a few players I want to I want to touch on, Coach Stormy uh, Kotselnik. She was just uh, outstanding in Monroe. I think two doubles, uh, two home runs, six RBI, and her defense. I mean that that line drive she caught uh, over there at third base. I think it was in the fourth inning of the first game on Saturday. She was just I I was I was traveling this past weekend. Um, and I was listening to the game, uh, Ian and, and Bobby on the call, and I, I heard her name a lot. And it was usually uh, for something you know exciting that happened. Could you speak about her process? Having you know, I know she she grew up in the Midwest and then went to Washington for a year, redshirted, came down here. She's a raging Cajun, but what, where has she? I guess her journey from when she first arrived here to right now at this point in the season, playing the crucial role that she is for you guys. Yeah, you know, just an amazing athlete. Stormy played first base this weekend most of the time. We played her at second some. We played her at third some. She's caught for us this year. You know, she could play shortstop if we needed her to. And she's an amazing athlete. And it's funny how, you know, there's a reason she was, she was number seven recruit in the country. She committed to Washington in the eighth grade. Um, and, you know, she come out of high school, top 10 talent, talented kid. And, and that was a huge pickup when we got her. There's a the reason when I, when she went on the portal and called me and told me she was on the portal and I went straight to Florida and I spent a week down there. Just, you know, there was a reason I did that. And cause she's, she's good. <laughs> and I think sometimes you see all those. You know, you see a player like that when they walk on campus, coaches and everybody, you expect them to be something they aren't. You know, like you just you imagine this player going to be a certain way. And, and when you when Stormy got here, I don't – it took a little while for people to understand how she plays the game, who she is, what she is, um, the fierce competitor. I mean, she does things that you don't even – you know, like if you look right now, she's got 28 extra base hits. She's got doubles. She's got triples. She got, I think she's got six triples and then eight home runs. And she's batting leadoff, and she's leading our team in RBIs. You know, people don't notice that. Yeah. Then you think, oh, she's also stole 20 bases. But but the biggest thing she does for our ball club, in my opinion, like the number one thing she does, when she walks the home plate as a leadoff hitter, she believes we're going to win the game. She believes we're the best team on the field. She walks the home plate with a swagger and uh, 
um, you know, an attitude that that sends a message that you know we're raging Cajuns and we're here to we're here to win today, and we're going to beat you because we're better than you. That's that's how she walks the home plate. And man, I'm just a lucky coach to have a player like Stormy Kosnick in my dugout. And and every day she's here, I'm I'm just thankful and grateful and appreciative of that kid. You know, and you know, she's a special person. You know, yesterday at uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, my wife's getting a text message from Stormy Kosnick, Happy Mother's Day, Miss Vicky. And uh, awesome. she's always worried about me because of Jerry Ann. You know, she's from, from the very beginning, you know, she's been – in my back pocket because of Jerry Ann. And, and so we go back a long ways and we go back to when she was a little bitty girl, but she's grown up into a really special, special young lady. And here's the best part of all this. We got three more seasons with her. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm just really appreciative of the effort of Stormy this season. She's extremely hard worker behind the scenes. She's a kid that does things right off the field. She's so uh, mature uh, in her interaction with fans and very respectful of older people, senior citizens. Um, she's got a lot going for her. And she's she's also 18 years old and, and still learning little things. You know, she's, she's, you don't have to tell her something about one time and she's going to fix it. And she's as she's maturing, she's learning little things about the game and, it's fun to coach a kid that has that passion. They want to be good, and they want to be good in every way. And when you tell them something that they need to fix, you know, early in the year we we had an example that she she would when she didn't think it was a strike, she looked at the umpire and let him know she didn't think it was a strike. And you know, we explained to her one time. I had Justin go to home plate and say that don't help our team. That doesn't make that umpire call strikes for your pitcher or balls for your, balls for your hitters when you staring down like that, being a competitor that she is. And you never saw her do it again the whole season. But she wants to win and she wants to do it the right way. So really lucky to have that kid in a Raging Cajun uniform. I appreciate you sharing all that, Coach. Great stuff. And um, one other player uh, to highlight in – you know she was she was great as well um, in this series, and she's also a freshman, uh, and that's Alexa Langley. As you know, uh, six of nine, I think, in the Monroe series, a pair of homers, a triple, four RBI, and a young lady out of Texas that, as a freshman this year, has certainly made her impact on the field for you guys. And um, her journey a little bit from maybe when you were recruiting her to now in this moment in the role she's playing for you guys. Yeah, she's. She's just a special player. She's a hitter. She's always been a hitter. And, you know, people don't realize this, but she, she got hurt. She went through a major surgery on her leg and missed the high school season her senior year, and she missed last summer travel ball. So when she got here in the fall, we weren't seeing the same, you know, Alexa that we'd watched for years. And we didn't see it in the fall. And it took her a little bit. And she got that spider back and, uh, it, you know, hitters hit. Hitters always. If you're a great hitter when you're young, you're going to be a great hitter most likely when you're older. Uh, that that self belief and inner confidence doesn't go away. And she's always been a hitter, and she believes she's a hitter. So it took her just a little bit of time to get going, but now 
especially this last month, you know, Cajun fans realize that we got one of the best young shortstops in the entire country, and and you know, that I, I don't, I, I, you'd have a hard time to go find a freshman shortstop that played on the level that she has this year. And again, you're talking about a kid now with over 40 RBIs, double-digit home runs. Her batting average is up to 370, and she can pick it at short. Like she can play the game. She's a product of um, the Hot Shots, Nathan Nelson and Mel Dumasich. Give them I got a shout out to them because they've just done a great job with their team over there, and and we got some really good athletes out of that program that are not just good ball players, but good athletes, but they're smart, intelligent players and play the game. So it's exciting. Another another great freshman piece. Coach Jerry Glasgow, our guest, Rage Cajun softball, heading over to Mobile for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. They are the one seed conference champs. Uh, they won the tournament last year, looking to do it again this year. 10 a.m. Wednesday morning, they'll take on the winner of ULM and Coastal Carolina. Um, Coach, very generic question, but I got to ask it. In your mind, what's the key to winning this thing and um, you know winning it the way you guys are uh, are the goal is i know i know you'll win it by any by you know whether you have to go through the elimination bracket or, or not but i'm sure ideally you'd love to win you know wednesday thursday friday saturday and come home and get ready for that selection show but in your mind what's the what's the biggest key to accomplishing your goal this week in mobile uh, the key to this whole you know this team at this point in the season is having the maturity to stay focused and that's what we early in the year couldn't we we weren't able to stay focused on what was important, which is, you know, doing whatever it takes at that moment to win each game. And, you know, we get behind, we got to come back. If we get ahead, we got to keep scoring. We've got to pitch. We've got to play defense. We've got to run the bases aggressively, but not stupidly. And, you know, we've, we've learned how to do a lot of those things very well. And we just, now we got to keep, Keep growing, keep getting better, and I think that's the key to the conference tournament: is to come out of it a better team than we enter it in. And it shouldn't be hard for this young team to do that. You know, the, the youth part helps, and it it allows us to get better fast and and grow up fast and get mature fast. And so I think pitching. I think this team may win a conference. I like the pitching staff. That's going to be the key if we can hold everybody to under. You know, two runs, three runs. Our, our ERA for the season now is about two point, like two one. It's getting better. It's went way down since the middle part of the season. And um, you know, I think we should expect to hold everybody. If we want, time, we need to hold under two runs. Um, so if you play four games and you you give up less than eight runs or even ten runs, you give up less than ten runs in that eight, in that four game stretch, I think we'll have a really good chance to win. Offensively, we got to score. You know, we we've been averaging eight runs a game. We need to score five, six runs a game and keep that going. And and it doesn't matter if it's Lackey, it doesn't matter if it's Mullins, it doesn't matter if it's Johnson. Those are three really good pitchers that we know we're going to have to beat. We're going to beat. Some of those pitchers over that four-game stretch, uh, three-game stretch, after day one, and you could get Beasley Polka in day one from Coastal Carolina, who's a really good pitcher. Clackley at ULM was a good pitcher. So you know you're going to see a good pitcher on day one 
and then day two, three, and four, games two, three, and four, that's if you're in a winner's bracket. If you get in a loser bracket, it changes even more. But those next three games, you're going to see three really good arms, which is exciting because that will get us ready for the um, NCAA tournament. And I hope it plays out. And last year we got to the championship game against uh, South Al, and they didn't throw Lackey. They threw somebody else. We won the game like 16-3, to 15-3. to 3. But it really hurt us, I thought, if they would have thrown Lackey at us, it would have really helped us to be prepared for that NCAA regional. So I'm hoping that we get to see Johnson, Mullins, and Lackey, uh, or any combination of those three, the last 21 innings. And uh, those three girls are, are good quality arms. I mean, they can all pitch in the SEC. They can all pitch in the Pac-12. We're lucky to have them in the Sun Belt now. I'm, I'm really excited about getting to see our kids battle them. And uh, hopefully we can figure out a way to win those games. You know, and and if we do, it's it, you should expect those games to be two to one, three two type games, and uh, not not uh, eight to nothing or ten to two games you see sometimes in some sub belt games. Those should be championship style games, NCAA tournament style games where the scores low and and close. And and when you get in those, you can lose them. But I'd like to if we can play those kind of games and win them. That'd be a really good way to go into the NCAA tournament. Great stuff. Louisiana Rage Cajun softball coach Jerry Glasgow has been our guest. Coach will uh, be airing all, all the games from the tournament right here on ESPN Lafayette from Learfield. Uh, we'll be listening, watching, and uh, and look forward to talking to you next week after the tournament and looking ahead to wherever you guys go in the regional. But I know between now and then, you got a lot of business to take care of. Safe travels. Always very much appreciate you taking the time on Monday mornings. All the best, and uh, we'll talk next week. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate you guys. You got it. That is Louisiana Raging Cajun softball coach Jerry Glasgow. Appreciate him coming on. When we come back, a reminder about the tournament setup for softball in the Sun Belt. We'll dig into that. Back into the incredible Long shot Kentucky Derby winner, Rich Strike. Cajun baseball, a sweep of UTA. We'll talk to Coach Matt Deggs coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Looking forward to that. And the NBA playoffs continue. Ties all around. We'll dig into that. Don't go anywhere. Plus, open phone lines in the next segment at 337-269-1077. We'll be right back after this. It's the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. Appreciate Coach Glasgow coming on. Coach Matt Deggs in the next hour. NFL will be leaking their leaking. Well, yeah, they'll be leaking their schedule throughout the week. Official schedule for the season is coming out. Thursday night, but um, you'll start to see some of the big players, newsbreakers in the NFL release a thing here or there. They're just throwing them some crumbs. Adam Schefter reporting the 
week two Monday night football doubleheader. Tennessee Buffalo on ESPN, Minnesota Philly on ABC. I don't really like how they're doing the doubleheaders, though. You got Tennessee Buffalo kicking off at 615 and then Minnesota Philly at 730. Give me the give, give me the old way of six and nine or six and nine fifteen. I want to see the whole games. Anyway, you'll start seeing stuff here or there. And my my I would imagine at some point Thursday, well before the schedule comes out, you'll have the same schedule. We'll know what it is. You already know who they're playing, but and you know they're in London week four. Other news that broke in the last couple minutes, Nikolai Jokic named the NBA MVP for the second consecutive season. Formal announcement coming later. Woj reporting that. Um, not unexpected, right? I'm sure Embiid probably finished second. By the way, shout out to him for playing with a broken face. Don't question that dude's toughness. Uh, in the NBA playoffs to even that series with Miami. But, yeah, Jokic for the second straight season, and as expected, you know, you can say on one hand, oh, well, the team couldn't get out of the first round, and da-da-da-da-da. The other hand, it is a regular season award, and he was playing this season with a lot of his teammates. The key ones hurt and overcame a lot. I mean, if you watch Jokic play, it's, if you want to be Embiid, that's fine. If you want to be Giannis, that's fine. If you want to be Jokic, that's fine. I think Jokic was the best player this season. I do. Rage Cage at softball. Uh, reminder, the first set of games is single elimination. Then it is double elimination until you get to the finals. Now, the Cajuns aren't playing in the first round of games because they have a bye. So Tuesday's games are single elimination, ULM Coastal Carolina. The winner of that one, by the way, will uh, will play UL uh, Friday morning. Georgia State, Georgia Southern. And then you get into Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Wednesday's games, double elimination, all the way up until Saturday. And then once you get to the championship game, it's single game. So you could have one team on Saturday, and that's, that's not uncommon. They do that most years. You get to Saturday, one team having a loss, another team not having a loss. That happens quite a bit. You could end up having a conference tournament champ that has as many losses in the tournament as the runner-up, but it's just how it goes. Just how it goes. Uh, emails, you can email me as well, scott at ESPNLafayette.com. Derek emails. Scott, I heard you talking to Coach Glasgow, and you mentioned Stormy Kotzelnik. Did you say that? Did he say that she committed to Washington in the eighth grade? Why would a player commit so early? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. I guess it's something uh, we could ask her. Uh, I don't think it's, you know, she she was in the Midwest, played at Indiana, went to Washington, redshirted, made her way down here. I mean, Coach, I thought it was interesting. He said he went down to Florida for a week to recruit her and. Seeing the performances that she's having right now. So it was a pretty good recruit. And as he said, three years after this, she's a redshirt freshman. But, I mean, her web gyms over the weekend, six RBI, two home runs, or a two-run homer, rather, two doubles. She was uh, she was great. And him sharing, you know, her, I guess, uh, in some ways, I guess her empathy 
and her closeness to the Glasgow family and, and Coach bringing up his late daughter, Jerry Ann, and Stormy always um, showing love and concern about that. I, I, thought that was, I thought that was really cool. But Derek, I, I appreciate the email. Appreciate the email. Coming up next hour, we will revisit what unfolded at Churchill. I mean, the Kentucky Derby was absolutely incredible. No, not the six hours of, of, of coverage on NBC, which I don't watch. Just tell me when the race is and I'll turn it on. Um, I don't need to see, you know, vignettes and rich people drinking mid-juleps and wearing fancy hats. I just want to see the race and the aftermath. Uh, but we'll get into the, the extremely, extreme upset from three-year-old horse Rich Strike and everything that led up to it. And we'll also talk a lot of Rage of Cajun baseball next hour. As Coach Matt Deggs is scheduled to join me at 8.15, Cajuns get to sweep, walk it off with Trey LaFleur yesterday in extra innings. There's the pitch, swung on, and a ball hit to right and drops for a base hit. Here comes Hood. Here comes the throw. Cajuns win. Cajuns win. Cajuns win. Trey LaFleur with his third hit of the game. And Louisiana gets the sweep over UTA. Six to five in 11 innings. There you have it. More on that next hour. Uh, NBA last night, we mentioned it. Dallas and Philly, even their series. But one of the stories coming out of the Phoenix-Dallas game is that a number of family members of Chris Paul uh, were harassed and physically contacted by a fan. Now, he physical contact, he didn't strike him. I'm not excusing it at all. He was immediately um, removed. By his mother on Mother's Day. So I think the fan was a 17-year-old who is getting a ton of attention. But he, um, idiot, moron, decided he was going to put his hands on Chris Paul's wife and mother. Even It doesn't matter if he just, oh, he just kind of grabbed them, not, not in a aggressive, I don't care. You're sitting there harassing someone nonstop, and then you, you can't do that. Under any circumstance. And his two kids were watching in seats right behind the son's bench. His wife was shoved. His mom had hands put on her. And Paul's kids are sitting there witnessing it. And I, you know, oh, he's only 17. Ban him. Ban him. Ban him. Don't let him back in a game. Seeing that kid get dragged out like, what, what did I do? And his mom's. Yanking him out of there. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Here's your present. I'm going to get ejected. Chris Paul fouled out with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. And that's ultimately, the, in my opinion, the biggest reason Dallas was able to just take advantage, hang on, and, and get the win. But as he said after the game, the environment felt unsafe. And that's that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. You don't want that kind of stuff, man. Ban them. Just ban them. That's it. And you've seen Chris Paul do this. You saw it in the series with the Pelicans, right? He'll have a rough game, and he'll usually bounce back. They'll play tomorrow night at 9 in Phoenix. and Expect Phoenix to win that one. Maybe they do it in six games again. But Dallas didn't win in this series, guys. 
They're not. They're not. Ain't gonna happen. Don't go anywhere. Great Scott show continues next. Rich Strike. Boy, if you put down a couple of apples on him, you did strike rich. Holy cow. The second longest odds in the history of the Kentucky Derby. Unprecedented. Incredible. We'll dig into that and plenty of Cajun baseball. Coach Matt Degg scheduled to join us. LSU baseball takes two or three, wins the series against the Tide. We'll take a look at the latest RPI rankings and more. Don't go anywhere. Great Scott Show continues after this on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Amazing fast. 45.36 seconds for Summer is Tomorrow, who heads up the backstretch in front. With Japan's crown pride right alongside. And Messier goes up in between those two. The piece continues to be hot. Zozos is next after three quarters in one minute, ten and four foot seconds. And now Epicenter comes splitting horses and is moving up quickly as Crown Pride takes the lead around the far turn. It is Crown Pride battling with Messier. They're stride for stride. Epicenter and Zozos in behind them. Cybernet sweeps up on the outside. Sandon gets the rail run and they're into the stretch. And it's Messier, Crown Pride, and Epicenter is coming up on the outside. Epicenter has taken the lead as they arrive into the final furlong. Sandon is coming after him. Epicenter and Sandon, these two, stride for stride. Simplification down the outside is next. They're coming down to the wire. Epicenter, Sandon, reach strike is coming up on the inside. Oh my goodness, the longest shot has won the Kentucky Derby. Rich Strike has done it in a stunning, unbelievable upset. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Welcome in to the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show. Happy Monday. Hope everybody had a great weekend. We've talked Cajun softball. We've talked a little NBA playoffs, Kentucky Derby. We're going to get into Cajun baseball quite a bit this hour. Cajuns RPI, they sweep but falls back to 53. That's because of where UT Arlington's RPI is. LSU takes two or three from the tie, but their RPI falls three spots back from 14 to 17. Texas State's RPI improves. They are up to 38. And that's important because if you're if you're the Cajuns, you're watching the RPI. The coaches admit you watch it to an extent because you have to. You don't want to go over the top with it, but, you know, to an extent. Cajuns have two against Rice. On the road, tomorrow and Wednesday, and then three at Texas State. Now, Rice, yeah, their RPI is now outside of the, the – they're not even in the top 200. Fall from 199 to 206. They are not having the kind of season. You know, Rice just it, – it, it's been a while since they've been Rice in baseball. 
you're talking about traditionally one of the better baseball programs out there and historically rather. And this year just ain't it. It's not. They're 13 and 34. They're they've just they've given up a ton of runs. On the road this weekend in Charlotte, they lost 13 to nothing on Friday. They lost 14 to 13 on Saturday and 9 to nothing on Sunday. And you go look up and down at some of their scores on the losing column, giving up tons and tons of runs. Not a good year for them in Cusa at all. It's just not. It's just reality. But Texas State, on the other hand, yeah. A big series for a number of reasons, obviously, right? I mean, look at the standings in the Sunbelt Conference right now on the baseball side of things. Texas State is three games up Louisiana, two games up at Georgia Southern. Cajuns are third, but only a half game up on Coastal Carolina. One through four, it's still up for grabs with two conference series left, and there were no, there was no separation over the weekend. They all won. They all won with sweeps. You still have an opportunity if you're the Cajuns to accomplish your ultimate goal. Now you would need Georgia Southern to lose. You'd need to sweep Texas State. You'd need to finish the season strong against Little Rock, whose RPI is not great either. Uh, I think it's 210 currently. You also have that midweek game against Nichols. That's a makeup from earlier in the season, but it's big. Big. And it was a big series win, um, series sweep. We'll get into some of the details of that again, 10 minutes with Coach Matt Deggs. Rich Strike. Oh, my gosh, Rich Strike. To say that it was a long shot for Rich Strike to win the Kentucky Derby is like saying Michael Phelps is a good swimmer or Calvin Johnson was a good receiver. Or Jonas Valanciunas has an, you know, he has, he has an above average beard. Come on. Talk about huge understatements. 80 to 1. Eighth race ever. This horse was bought off of a waiver race for 30 grand. Had only one, and that was the only race win for it. Gets its second win. In eight races, oh, and it just happens to be the Kentucky Derby, where it was on standby behind a number of other horses, got cleared to join the Derby race in the field 30 seconds before the deadline on Friday. If you got a T-shirt at the Kentucky Derby, an official one, whether you went to Churchill Downs this week beforehand, whether you were there on Saturday, though that's not so much a T-shirt crowd there, or whether you got it online, they have 20 racehorses that were set to participate in the Kentucky Derby. Rich Strike is not on the front or the back of that shirt. Nobody's picking Rich. Or the, the Calvin Burrell's win in 2014 on the horse, Mind That Bird at 50-1, to 1, was absolutely incredible. They made a movie of it. It was awesome. I loved it. Folks know Burrell around here. Obviously, in the racing world, he had won the Derby before. And even that, compared to the long odds, was not as long as this one. 80 to one there's been only one other kentucky derby winner in history with longer odds and that was over none of us were alive when it happened go back to 1913 
I mean, holy cow. Just absolutely incredible. He was purchased last fall for $30,000. And then here's the horse rich strike out there, just biting other horses, getting a frisky with everybody. He's like, get away from me. Apparently I had to be struck by a trainer to calm down. Bad boy horse. Wasn't even scheduled to run Saturday. Gets squeezed into the starting gate after um, Ethereal Road gets scratched Friday. The Colts' previous race was at Turfway Park. It's a Kentucky track that's outside of Cincinnati. And Kentucky Derby races, triple crown horse horses rarely get sent there. Rich Strike, 80 to 1. $30,000 purchase last fall. Earned $1.86 million on Saturday. It's a pretty good investment. Pretty good investment. Epicenter and Sandin, these two, strive for stride, simplification down the outside is next, and coming down to the wire, Epicenter Sandin, Rich Strike is coming up on the inside, oh my goodness, the longest shot has won the Kentucky Derby, Rich Strike has done it in a stunning, unbelievable upset. That is tough to do. Shout out Larry Colmas, the thoroughbred horse racing announcer, on the call for NBC Sports. I, I was I was traveling this week and I spent a lot of time listening, you know, to different stuff, listening to the radio, and heard, you know, hearing Jay and and Brad do baseball, and Ian and Bobby do softball, and when Steve does softball, I like I've heard him so much over the years. I take for granted how great all those guys are. It's hard to do. It's not as easy as you think. But I can only imagine how difficult it is to call a horse race, including the biggest one in the world in the Kentucky Derby, and not stump, not run out of breath, not have your voice crack. Rich Strike, and, and it's, the, the shock from Colmus is evident. I mean, you can hear it in his voice. He's like, wait, what? Epicenter and Sandin, these two, strike for strike. Simplification down the outside is next. And coming down to the wire, Epicenter Sandin. Rich Strike is coming up on the inside. Oh my goodness, the longest shot has won the Kentucky Derby. Rich Strike has done it in a stunning, unbelievable upset. Again, shout out Larry Colmas. I don't know how he does that. The race caller for the Triple Crown and the Breeders' Cup on NBC Sports. Track announcer uh, as well for uh, Kentucky Down Racing. What a moment. What a moment. No, no, I don't talk a ton of horse racing, but it's the Kentucky Derby. And it was 81 odds. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Next, watch the next race. It's early next year. There are going to be people taking money out on the longest odds. It's not going to happen again for a long time. 80 to 1. I don't, I, I, oh, what about this horse? What about, I don't know that this horse will ever do anything ever again. And even if it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It had its moment. I mean, you've got the owner there. They're, they're in such shock after the win. It's like, you need to get a little closer to the microphone to talk like, oh yeah, okay, here we go. (laughs) Like what, what happened? And he said, look, we never enter a race we don't think we can win. And I get it. I, I get it. 
But the trainer was asked after, do you have imagined in your wildest dreams this would happen? And he's like, not really. Honest moment. We'll circle back to the Kentucky Derby later in the hour, but right now, want to zone in on Raging Cajun baseball. Just find a way to win. Just find a way. Three wins, each by a single run, including yesterday's walk-off winner on Mother's Day over at Russo Park, Louisiana, victorious over UT Arlington. We will visit with head coach Matt Deggs next right here on The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Coulda, shoulda, and woulda. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Are you serious? They all play here. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions, no doubt. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is the NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. There's the pitch, swung on, and a ball hit to right and drops for a base hit. Here comes Hood. Here comes the throw. Cajuns win. Cajuns win. Cajuns win. Trey LaFleur with his third hit of the game. And Louisiana gets the sweep over UTA. Six to five in 11 innings. Welcome back into the great Scott show on a Monday morning. Joining us now as he does each Monday during the baseball season, the head coach of Louisiana Raging Cajun baseball, Coach Matt Daggs. Good morning, Coach. How are you feeling? Hey, Scotty. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. The caffeine hit early this morning. I don't know about you, but mm-hmm. I, it's, it's, it's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day. It's a Monday, right? We need two of these in a row. I know, 48 hours a Monday, man. That's what the doctor ordered. I got up about 4.30 and hung out with the dogs and just uh, had a little quiet time. So it's about it's about noon to me right now. <laughs> it's not quite noon for me, but I did the same thing. Woke up early, hung out with the dog, and uh, drank some caffeine, had some prayer time, and then came over here to work. Um, you know, Monday's... Uh, maybe feel a little, maybe the coffee tastes a little better when you're coming off of a sweep, but just find a way, right? Three three wins by uh, by a run. And, um, you know, I know you, you, you've tinkered with the lineup all season and you did it again this weekend based on, you know, what the opponent was doing. It worked well for you. In your mind, what was the number of things, right? But what was at the top of the list for uh, you guys being able to have a successful sweep over the Mavericks? Just outlasting them and and being in uh, tremendous shape mentally and physically, and uh, because you cannot, Scotty, underestimate the heat on the field. It's uh, and some of those guys will probably disagree with me, but you know, thirteen and fourteen, we we got the privilege to play in some hot hot weather because of hosting the Sunbelt Conference tournament in 13 and then the run that we made in 14 in the postseason. And, uh, you know, that's not the hottest weather you're in all year. Actually, it's August, September, October. But uh, it's a different heat. You know, when Coach made the renovations to the stadium, it's absolutely tremendous and gorgeous. 
but it traps heat on that field and there's just not much circulation. And so, uh, you know, and we love hot weather, but it's a, it's a different heat, man. It'll melt you. It's a, it's like being in a sauna or probably a steam room, uh, you know, for four or five hours. And so, uh, our conditioning came into play and then our pitching, I thought, uh, we got some really good starts and, uh, some really good performances out of the bullpen and, and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, defensively, we weren't as sharp as we've been, but boy, we had some great plays to go along with it too. And I thought that was kind of the difference in the, in the, you know, we really, I think we only hit like 270 something for the series. Uh, I knew they were going to pitch us tough. I told our team, look, this is going to be a tough series. Uh, UTA has traditionally played us tough and, uh, you know, tip of the cap to those guys, they competed extremely hard all weekend. Uh, they came up with some big hits themselves and, uh, got some really good pitching performances. Uh, the guy on Friday night's good. And then, uh, the, 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 the kid Saturday threw enough strikes and had enough wiggle on it, change speeds to, and and there was a little hangover effect too from facing King on Friday. So now you got some results mounting up on you. Uh, and then they ran a legit arm at us yesterday, ninety three, ninety five, with a, a power hook, uh, and commanded the ball pretty decent. So uh, it was just a, a matter of finding ways to win. And uh, when we got those opportunities, uh, we took advantage of them. Our our two strike uh, approach, or not two strike, our our approach with two outs right now is just deadly. And, uh, you know, we've surpassed our opponent in two out RBIs. We're close to 280 with two outs. Uh, that's a stat I really look at. Uh, and our opponents at like 213, 214 with two outs. So that's a big deal. Those are backbreakers. ESPN Lafayette, Coach Matt Deggs, our guest. Um, Top and I were talking about UTA's pitching as well. It seemed like you just referenced it. I feel like they had about five guys that – had really good stuff. Now, you never know, right? Are, are they going to be on this weekend? But it felt like all of them were. Uh, and and you, you found the right match. You guys found the right matchup. And like you said, just find a way, um, whether it be responding and uh, answering. And you can, you know, folks can look at a record in RPI. I was looking at the arms. And the ones that the Mavs had that were good seemed like they, they all pitched maybe their best over the weekend, and you guys were still able to get it done. And you mentioned, you know, with, with two outs and your approach to the plate, how far has that come from the beginning of the season to now, the the, the two-out uh, hitting for you guys in, in, in batting? It's, it's made the, you know, it's helped turn our season around that with uh, eliminating so many walks, uh, hit batters, and, and errors. I mean, uh, you know, our opponent, probably has 30, 40 more errors than us right now. Uh, we're getting close to evening out the walks. And then, like I said, we've surpassed them in two out RBIs. We're approaching 100, and uh, the goal should be 150 every year. Uh, really, the game's played in three spots. You, you know, whoever owns the fastball has a distinct advantage. Uh, whoever owns the plate uh, has a distinct advantage. And if you can win the twos, man, uh, those just break the will of your opponent. And when you combine pitching and defense with that, it gets a little bit suffocating and, and it can get frustrating at times. And that's why uh, you look at the double play we turned, you look at the play Debo made, you look at the one of the best catches I've ever seen by, by shock and center. Uh, you know, Hood continues to play outstanding defense. Uh, and the job Julian's doing behind the plate, he takes away any option of a running game. Uh, that can get frustrating at times. 
You mentioned that that catch uh, by Shock and Center. It was uh, to call it a web gym would be an understatement, huh? It was like that's just God given, right? I mean, you're not going to teach that. You, you know, it's uh, and, and what makes it more special. And this is just the the old school in me. You know, he had been throwing up for two straight days, and uh, to do it in that heat, and that's why I pulled him on Friday night. He just he couldn't stop throwing up, and. Uh, to do it in that heat and those situ- that situation and everything he was facing, man, that's that's good stuff. You, you, I mentioned you know earlier you tinkering with the lineup depending on the matchup and what you're seeing out of the guys in practice a, a number of times over the weekend. Uh, I know Bobby, I don't think he played Friday. He starts Saturday. Some big hits for you. Um, I mean, heck, I played the, the game winner coming into this, this interview with you from LaFleur. Uh, he wasn't playing all weekend or didn't start all weekend. And then he has, you know, huge hits and, and drives in three and has the game winner. Um, how much is it? Is it a formula use coach that, okay, today I'm going to decide, or do you kind of know going into a matchup how it's going to play out over the weekend? I guess my question is how fluid is the process of you tinkering with a lineup during a conference weekend series? Well, I mean, it's everything is options driven, right? I mean, you've got to have some options to do that. Uh, but I watch a ton of video, uh, which, you know, some years I do, some years I don't. I do a lot by gut instinct. I watch a ton of video this year because I got a group of 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 dudes that that can go out and execute game plan, and they're eager to. And uh, you know, so that's the way I do it. And so I look at these matchups and, and, uh, we hit so much, man, that I can tell you, you know, I can, I can make you look good or bad in BP because I know where your strengths and your weaknesses are. And, uh, they understand that and, and tip of the cap to them because they're, the competition's so high that they're pretty much all ready, man. And, uh, they're ready to go at a moment's notice and, you know, so do I do everything by gut and feel and just, you know, instinct. And sometimes it works and sometimes it uh, gets us all in trouble. But, uh, you know, like Bobby and, and, and Raymond, Trey LaFleur, and, uh, you know, they accounted for five two-out RBIs, man. And that's between them three and Hood. And, you know, take away the pitching and defense. That, I mean, that, that accounts for that series. And... Uh, so I'm glad it paid off. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't, but I think you got to follow your gut and stick with it and be decisive. Coach Matt Deggs, our guest, Jake Hammond, you've, you've referenced him a number of times throughout our conversations this season. Uh, he was, you know, one, a number of players were obviously big for you this weekend, but, uh, highlighting him a little bit, you know, I know, I think in his Twitter profile, he has a, uh, a reference to a, a Bible verse of, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Tell us a little bit about Jake Hammond off the field and how it, right, um, how it drives him on the diamond, if that makes sense. He's a, he's a one of a kind. Uh, <laughs> there's not another one like him. Uh, you know, God broke the mold when he made that kid. He's, a, he's got a warrior's heart and mentality. Uh, like the rest of us, he's far from perfect, but he loves Jesus, and he's not afraid to, to share that. And, uh, but he is bold. He's going to say what needs to be said, and he's going to take action. And, and 
he kept working, man. I'm proud. He got better. He got better, and he made me have to pitch him. And, uh, you know, I screwed that up yesterday. You talk about gut, right? So I'd already decided that, that uh, Toyty was going to go out and get the lefty, and he, he uh, gets the first batter. I can't remember if they pinch hit or not, but then I get greedy, just the next guy, and we give up a, a two-out knock to – now we're going to face Ponce. We give up a knock to Ponce, and – uh, that was going to be Hammond's spot, but I, I'm trying to protect Jake. He had 28 pitches, max effort the night before. And, uh, it almost cost us. So, I mean, so that's an example of gut instinct, sticking with it or not. And I should have, and uh, because he's been really, really good in that spot. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Coach Matt Deggs, our guest. Um, you get the win yesterday in uh, in extra innings and looking at the arms, David Christie. You know, gave you a, a really good inning. Um, you, you mentioned earlier just continuing to work. Uh, he, you know, Peyton Havard, I know Peyton's season has been well documented, but hadn't played in a little while. Uh, they come up big, and, you know, the old uh, the old road motto of work while you wait, and I know it's also just a baseball motto as well, Coach, but I think this weekend you saw a lot of examples of when that pays off. Well, Work while you're waiting, that's, yeah, that's a given. Uh, if you're going to be in this, you know, and if you're going to be a Cajun, you're going to work. And, uh, but what those two guys have done is adapt and adjust. And that's what you do in this game or the game will pass you by. And uh, both of them have worked, made adjustments. I was happy for have, but uh, David Christie, you know, he's got one of the best personalities on the team and just – Loves to compete and, and do, will do absolutely whatever for the ball club. And uh, yesterday, that was professional. I mean, that was that was for real. That was like <laughs> he he would go to the front of the line uh, if he threw the ball like that all the time. I mean, that he's throwing eighty-seven mile an hour daggers up there yesterday, and then fastball was up to ninety-two with tilt and uh, everything heading downhill. Just look at number ten, the first batter he faced. Poor guy. I mean, they just brought him into the game. Uh, he comes in to play defense, and here comes uh, Big Dave out the bullpen. And uh, it was good morning, good afternoon, good night with just three uh, really, really way above average pitches. And uh, so I'm excited to see where this leads him. And I'll probably start him, uh, what's today, Monday? Oh, yeah, <laughs> we're going to leave here in a little while. There you go. Be on the road for a week, and I'll probably start him tomorrow night. There you go. Tuesday, Wednesday at Rice, and then uh, uh, this weekend at Texas State. They are atop the Sunbelt Conference standings. You guys third, but one through four packed real tight. Um, you know, I, I've I've talked to you about RPI. I've talked to you about conference standings. I've asked you the question in various ways, but how much time? I'll ask you again as we get later into the season, Coach, right? Only two more weekend series, three more midweek games, then you have the conference tourney Montgomery how close are you following the conference standings and the RPI, and how do you make sure? Okay, we know what we have to do, but mentally we can't we can't focus as much on that in terms of what we got to take care of on the diamond and can control what we can control. Well, I mean, you have to, and uh, it's the roadmap, right? Uh, but that's not the players' job to do that. The, the players play, coaches coach, and and kind of map out the game plan. And uh, all we can do is go play our best with the games in front of us. Uh, we're still there. You know, it's a shame that you sweep and drop 
10 spots in the RPR or whatever it is. Uh, I, I wish there was a better formula. You know, let's just say you could pick before the season starts uh, 10 weekends or, you know, how many ever games to designate as RPI games. I think that would be a little more judicious uh, because we can't help who we play. All we can do is go, you know, go play good baseball. Uh, but metrically, I think we're still in, in relatively good shape. Uh, obviously, you want to win the league, and that's in front of us. Uh, we're not at a point, Scott, where, you know, we're, we're begging for some help here. That's in front of us. Let's just go take care of business. There's six games left. Uh, <clears throat> and so that's in front of us. We need to get to 15 road wins. And uh, I don't know where we're at right now, maybe uh, 12 and – Twelve and seven. seven. Yep, twelve and seven. Metrically, fifteen has been a magic magic number uh, over the years. Uh, we need to stay above five hundred when you combine Q one and Q two. Uh, and I know that sounds, you know, like I'm speaking a different language, but it, it really kind of is, and it's a shame it's part of our game. But those are the rules, and so we're looking to win the league. We're looking to uh, continue to play good baseball on the road, and. and uh, be in great shape when we hit Montgomery. There you go. I think uh, latest RPI, Little Rock 210, Rice 206, Nichols 173, but Texas State 38. And you mentioned being on the road this week. You got uh, five on the road right here in front of you. It's a road trip, and then you're back home to wrap up the season. So a lot of metrics, a lot of goals right there still in front of you, and then after that it's Montgomery. So uh, are you are you pleased there with – There was a point this weekend, you know, where – we had the number three rated non-conference schedule in the country. And so much of, and this is the crazy part, so much of your future is determined by what past opponents did this weekend. Right. That's the crazy part about that. I mean, that's why. And we uh, just had a little lull with that as far as uh, some of their performances. Sadly enough, you know, here's how crazy college baseball is. I want you to help me make sense of this. If I play UC Irvine, right, and and we win a series, what do you think we want UC Irvine to do for the rest of the year? Win. But then coaches turn around and share scouting reports on past opponents. Why would you do that? I don't get it. That's just the norm of our game. It's layered, right? On one hand, you know, sharing scouting reports is, I guess, I'm guessing, Coach, you would know better than me, something that's been around a really long time. And, oh, as long as I've, as long right. as I've been doing it. And then from an it's RPI standpoint, there's you have 301 teams in the RPI, but how many teams out of 301 are is it is it super significant to i mean we could say all 301 but the reality is most years it's it's just not there's some teams they're just they're not following the rpi they're just kind of well we're gonna we're gonna try to you know i mean prairie view has a winning record but you know they're 271 in the rpi they're probably not focusing that much they're just trying to win their games and go on and win their conference tournament so i just i think probably because one's been around a long time and the other isn't isn't as important um to a vast yeah, majority of the schools as, as it is. It's, it's, I don't want to say it's, a, it's only a few because the RPI is important to, to you know, obviously the, the best schools of the country. But they're still outnumbered by the majority. Now, that may make no sense at all. I'm just, I'm just trying to put math to it. I don't know. 
you know, it's getting, it's, it's not as common because of the development of everything streamed and, and uh, Synergy, which is a video system everyone has. So you can put your own reports together. But my whole career, you've played and turned around and shared a report, except for teams in the league. You, you, that's a no, no, you don't do that. But because uh, you want your league to be strong. But uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of an oxymoron. It's crazy. So what happens when someone calls Coach Matt Deggs and says, "Hey, give me, you know, uh, give me your insight and, and your report on the Anteaters"? Well, it just depends. Some some programs work out a deal beforehand where, "Hey, we're not going to share on you," uh, but it's an accepted norm that you just hit send on the email and send them the report. I mean, that's how everyone derives information. There's relationships. There's all kinds of stuff you have to take into uh, account. So do you kind of go on a case-by-case basis? Case-by-case, everything is. There you go. All right, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Coach, before I let you go, I uh, saw something pop up on my Twitter timeline over the weekend. I wanted to play it for you real quick. Hang tight. Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. Your reputation precedes you. Good morning, aviators. This is your captain speaking. What the hell? Admit I wasn't expecting an invitation back. They're called orders, Maverick. Top Gun Maverick, rated PG-13. Coach, just wanted mm. to get your thoughts after hearing that. Jester's mm. dead. Jester's dead. Jester's dead. ESPN Live, you had the best ticket in sports. Uh, for those that don't know, Coach Matt Degg's favorite movie, Top Gun, and I guess what, shoot, 37 years later, the sequel's coming out, 35, 36, yeah, like something what, like that. 86 or 7? I think 86. Yeah, I think it's 86, the original. So, uh, Now, this yeah. one's been on the shelf for a while. They were going to release it, and then COVID hit, and so they wanted to make it a summer blockbuster, you know. But, yeah, it's uh, 36 years later. It's, it's, it's back. I bet you didn't think for uh, as you got older growing up, that there was going to be a sequel that came out to your favorite movie when you were at the age you are now, which I don't, I won't share. <laughs> hey man, whatever it takes, right? That's it, man. That's it. ESPN uh, Lafayette best ticket in sports. And that was your motto this weekend. I know that's been the motto for your team throughout the season. Uh, safe travels on the Texas road trip coach. I always appreciate you taking the time and we'll, uh, we'll chat again next Monday. All right. Thanks Scotty. See you. You got it. As Coach Matt Deggs really enjoyed him sharing the aspect, you know, the part of the scouting and sharing reports and the RPI being what it is and the importance of it and Cajuns needing UC Irvine to do really well. But do you want to share a scouting report? How it's been around for a long time, synergy, case by case basis. That's a deeper look into what the coaches are going through off the diamond and how they approach the game. Because from an RPI standpoint, you get the sweep, but you fall from 46 to 53. Rice, not going to help you a ton. I mean, you go win. I, I say they're not going to be a ton. You're playing on the road. You get two road wins Thursday, tomorrow and Wednesday. You get another one over the weekend in San Marcos, maybe more. You get to those 15 road wins, as Coach Matt Degg said. That's a big metric. It has been in the past for the committee and for the RPI. And the fact that Texas State is 38 in the RPI, right? And they're in first place in the conference. This is a huge week for Raging Cajun baseball. 
Two games against Rice tomorrow and Wednesday. You can hear right here on ESPN Lafayette. Best ticket in sports, 6 o'clock pregame. Jay Walker, Brad Topham have the call. Then this weekend against Texas State, 6 o'clock Friday, 4 o'clock Saturday, 1 o'clock Sunday, pregame 30 minutes prior over on Newstock 96.5 KPL. All of that powered by Learfield. 40 minutes after the hour of 8 o'clock. When we come back, the injury impact in the NBA playoffs right now. The MVP has been revealed when fans get a little too close and a ginormous upset on the biggest stage over the weekend. That's all coming your way right here on ESPN Lafayette. Best ticket in sports. Hey, this is Rich Eisen. You can hear me every day on ESPN Lafayette from noon to 3 on The Rich Eisen Show. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! Epicenter and Sandin, these two, strike for stride, simplification down the outside is next. They're coming down to the wire, Epicenter Sandin, Rich strike is coming up on the inside. Oh my goodness, the longest shot has won the Kentucky Derby. Rich Strike has done it in a stunning, unbelievable upset. Hey, sports fans, this is Rich Eisen reminding you to catch the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from 12 to 3 on ESPN Lafayette. Now, back to more of the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, quarter to nine. Phone lines open, 337-269-1077. You can email me as well, scott at ESPNLafayette.com. Email from Doug. Scott, all this talk about the Kentucky Derby upset. In your opinion, do you think it was a bigger upset than when Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson? Good question, Doug, for, I mean, yes, yes. I mean, the Buster Douglas thing was insane. It was insane. But for argument's sake, Buster Douglas was 42 to 1. 42 to 1. Now, that is extremely long odds, but it's one-on-one. Mano y mano, right? One good punch, you never know. It was in Japan. There was a lot of weird stuff. I, I just, it was, it was crazy what had happened. It was 42 to 1. Rich Strike was 80 to 1. Got in the field the day before as a fill-in. Was, the, was fourth on the list. Speaking of betting, 
no surprise as sports betting gets more, you know, uh, gets legalized in more places around the country, particularly online with sportsbook apps. DraftKings, shout out. The most heavily bet Kentucky Derby ever. Not a surprise. There was 179 million bet in the pool on Saturday's Kentucky Derby. In the Perry Mutual Pool. That's a lot at Churchill Downs. I can only imagine how much was bet everywhere with everything, with all the apps and everything else. But a 17% increase over last year, 8% higher than the, 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 the record. This is per Churchill Downs. So of that, how much do you think was bet on Rich Strike? Who had the longest odds? $501,135. Part of that's because he was 80 to 1. Part of that's because he didn't enter until the day before. And no doubt it was the lowest amount bet on any horse in the field. And I'm sure the sports books absolutely loved it. I mean, if you bet on Rich Strike to win the Derby back in March, 300 to 1 in Nevada. The sports books odds were a little different than they were at Churchill Downs. 300 to 1. 200 to 1 on Saturday at the Las Vegas Sportsbook Circa. The day of the race. Man, those big odds, at, and they're nowhere else to be found, just at that casino. Yeah, that casino lost a little bit. Little bets, right? 25 here, 50 there. But when it hits, uh-oh. Wasn't even in the field until late Friday. Incredible. Incredible. Does, does the sports book in Nevada that had the 200 to 1 odds said that there were about 80 to 90 bets on Rich Strike. Many 15 minutes just before the race. At that point, the odds were about 150 to 1. Tell you what, enough of those 25, uh, excuse me, enough of those 25 and $30 bets, $50 bets, even if it's only about 90 of them at 150 to 1. What about old Mattress Mac over in Houston who is known more for making gigantic bets in the sporting world than he is for selling mattresses? He lost $2.6 million betting on the Derby. Had a Bet $1.5 million on a straight bet on Epicenter to win. Use big bets and other things as well. But most of the books did pretty good for Rich Strike. Because they didn't get a ton of bets on him. Why would you? The owner, in shock afterwards talking to espn no uh you guys have only had the horse since i believe september uh what what have been your impressions of rich strike so far well he he's um improved steadily every time and my trainer believed in him you know early on it was kind of i think it was october november he called me and he said i don't want to get your hopes up too high but he says i really think we have something here we get lucky we don't get hurt you know all those things that have to come to come to pass so that you can be successful in this business and we took our time and so I said well if you think we got I said we have a derby horse and maybe maybe 
So we went to the calendar, first Saturday in May, and we backed up every five weeks from there, and we started picking races that, so that when we got here, we wouldn't be tired, we'd be improving. And wow, what a plan. Oh my gosh, did we just run 2026? Oh my God, I told my jockey, I said, bring him back in 2026 and we'll win this. Are you kidding? We just ran 20261. Oh my gosh, I just saw that, sorry. No, no, when did you, you say that to Sonny? When we were in the paddock. And I actually, I, I love this kid and he's such a great family man. And, uh, and I told him, I said, uh, this is why you do what you do, right? And he says, yeah, and I said, well, make this your day. It's always been Burrell on the rail. Let's make it Sunny's on the rail. <laughs> You're getting so choked up when you when you talk about the 2026. You're getting so choked up. Where are you right now? I, 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 I I'm not real sure that this is all real. Actually, I asked somebody earlier, my trainer, when we were on stage. I said, "This is really happening, right?" And he says, "Yeah, this is really happening. Amazing, amazing. You know, I, I'm, I've never ever felt that." Life puts a cap on what you can do, and nothing you can do will change it. I, I've never believed that. I always thought, hey, I'm as smart as the next guy. Maybe I can figure it out. Maybe I can't, but I always kept trying, and uh, here we are. Congratulations to you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Longer than a long shot. Unbelievable. I Would I bet on that horse to win the next one? No. Preakness, Belmont Stakes? No. Be pretty cool if he did. Be, it'd be really cool if he turned into like greatest horse ever out of nowhere. Feisty thing, biting everybody after the race, bullying other horses around. Just won the Kentucky Derby. What a race! Shout out Larry Collum, NBC Sports on the call. He mentioned Rich Strike's name one time during the call, one time until the final few seconds, and it was. Briefly, whenever the horses are coming up at the first half mile, he was just basically going down who was in what spot. One all the way down. Mentioned Rich Strike at the end. I think it was like 15th or 16th at that point. Then, one more time at the end, and you can just hear the absolute shock in his voice as... It's hard. Let me tell you something. Play-by-play is hard. I can't imagine thoroughbred racing play-by-play. I can't. It's incredible. Epicenter and Sandin. These two strive for stride. Simplification down the outside is next. They're coming down to the wire. Epicenter Sandin. Rich strike is coming up on the inside. Oh, my goodness. The longest shot has won the Kentucky Derby. Rich strike has done it in a stunning, unbelievable upset. Unbelievable. That's what I love about sports, when it's unbelievable. Don't go anywhere. The Dan Patrick Show is next. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Jay Walker will be in studio in the 8 o'clock hour. Looking forward to that. Working on another guest as well. It's going to be a fun week, guys. More on the NBA playoffs tomorrow. We will hit on Cajun baseball as well and look at college baseball as a whole. Overall RPI and more, all of that on tomorrow's show. And the Cajun softball team, their chances in the conference, uh, excuse me, not their chances. They're going to probably win the softball tournament. Where might they end up? 
when it comes to regionals. We'll dig into that as well. Don't go anywhere. Dan Patrick shows next. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. You've been listening to the Great Scott Show right here. I'm Scott Prather. Talk to you tomorrow.